time for you know what. Mother, I know all the dances. Come on, get up, get up. Practice makes perfect, I ought to know. Don't forget, I was Miss Self Crab in 1945, and that title wasn't handed to me on a silver platter. I worked for it. Now, come on, a one, two, a one, two, three, pony. Mashed potatoes. Faster. Amber, I'd like to talk to you. Yes, Daddy. Don't stop, cha-cha. I'm tired. One, two, cha-cha-cha. One, two, cha-cha-cha. I had some new campaign flyers made up today. All for Daddy's little girl. Now, I want you to hand those out at the hop tonight to everyone, each and every one of those. Twist. Oh, Daddy. <sighs> no lip from you, Miss Ingrate. This campaign is costing us an arm and a leg. New gowns? Hairdresser three times a week? Why, your hairspray bill alone is enough to eat up all the profits from the Tilt-A-Whirl. You'll do as Daddy says, or we'll send you to Catholic school where you belong, right, Franklin? That's right. You are listening to They Must Be Destroyed on Sight. The following podcast contains adult language, adult situations, and spoilers for the movies discussed occur often. You have been warned. Now, take it away, Dr. Rausch. They must be destroyed on sight. Welcome back. It is They Must Be Destroyed on Site, episode 254. And I am your host, Lee. Permanently, positively punished, Russell. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> and you hear tackling in the background there from the peanut gallery, my co hostess with the Moses, Lee, on a one way ticket to reform school, Hardy. How are you doing? Oh, shit. <laughs> Better be careful. Yeah, you're one of those dangerous girls that wants uh, integration. Oh, no. Mm. No, uh, there was so many fucking quotes. I, I was I actually was racking my brain for like 20 minutes thinking, which quote should I use for our names for this episode? You didn't want to take the one that uh, we're white on the outside, but our souls are black. I didn't want to push it. <laughs> God, I oh my god, did I ever fucking laugh? Like I know back then too. Um, what they did, I know it was very uh, uh, fun, like friendly to do that. Mm -hmm. But now it'd be like, hmm. <laughs> and also you know, it's kind of John. We're getting ahead of ourselves a little bit here, but it's it's kind of John Waters poking fun at like well-meaning but incredibly clueless white people yeah. who are like trying to talk to black people like they're human beings you know <laughs> there, there's a lot of that in this movie uh we are doing hairspray from 1988 this is another lady lee pick uh before we get into that though we do have one comment from our friend gary hill on facebook said oh boy not my first john waters but close are you a hair hopper <laughs> i like the other one that he said <laughs> The comment uh, I can't remember where he commented or referenced the the movie. 
Oh, I can't remember what he said, but uh, I'm gonna find it. I'm gonna find it because that oh, that's, okay. that's worthy of being mentioned. <laughs> he said it'll be more fun than a hoot nanny in a Harlem. <laughs> <laughs> that's the one. As soon as I hear it, heard it in the movie, I'm like, oh, that's where I got it from. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you, uh, look at you know Gary was on our last episode. He should be on our next episode. We invited him on, so we'll see if that happens. Uh, See if I can make it happen. It'd yeah. be fun to have him again. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I was actually considering inviting him for this, but uh, I got a little tied up with shit, so I didn't get around to inviting people. And so I was like, eh, I shouldn't invite anyone last minute. That would kind of be a bit rude. But uh, <laughs> Would it be rude? <laughs> or would it well, be just, like, inconvenient? <laughs> well, that's... well <laughs> for, them, inconven- for them. Incon- Yeah, inconveniencing a person, I feel like, is rude. I don't know. That's just me. <laughs> Um, I feel like people. Uh, well, you never know. Anyways, <laughs> on with the know. show. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so yeah, we can uh, talk about what we've wa- what we've watched lately. I know you got something. So uh, it, it just came to you when I asked you before we started the show, and you're like, "Oh, so uh, this better be impressive." Uh, what, what did you watch? I watched Hunchback of Notre Dame. <laughs> <No>. Okay. <laughs> okay, I did watch that movie, and uh, I forgot how much I loved music. That's that's. I wasn't even going to mention this one, but. I wanted to bring it up as a joke. No, okay. This is one that I'm gonna I'm gonna go on a little bit of rant on. Okay. So I watched Bridal Wards or Bride Wards? Bridal Wards? Uh, wars? Not Wards. Wars. Yeah. Okay. I don't know. I've never heard of it, but Bride Wars, Bride Wars. That's what it's called. I'm just pulling it up here to get the, the two actresses there. Uh Kate Hutton's Kate Hudson and Anne Hathaway were the two leads. Okay. Anyway. Anyway. I started watching this movie, and I remember watching it, like, 10 years ago, because it it came out in 2009. So, yeah, it was probably 10 years ago when I watched it. And I thought it was, like, the cutest, like, super romantic movie. And then I watched it 10 years later, and I don't know if I've gotten really bitter, but it was fucking shit. (laughs) (laughs) I hated it. I hated that right at the beginning. They put this notion, like, these two girls just want to get married. So it's their goal in life to get married, and you have to get married. And, like, they made a few comments that I really hated, where one of them said uh, getting married at 30 is impossible, or after 30 is impossible. So it was very, like, pushing women to get married uh, before, they're t- before they turn 30. Mm-hmm. One of the girls I thought was really funny, because she gets married at the beginning of the episode, and then at the end of the episode... Uh, it's not even a year later and she's already divorced and someone said like oh I'm sorry about your divorce she's like why it's my only my first one that one I had a cackle at I thought that was funny that was like the only good part but but the rest was just so like I don't know it was so really insulting to females like when I was listening to the comments of like oh this is how women think oh I don't know I didn't care for it I thought it was really stupid pissed me off <laughs> just one of those movies where I'm like, I'm going to watch a feel-good movie. And then I just stood there angry, like, why do I do this to myself? Why do I bother with these movies? I hate them. It's amazing the the change that will happen over 10 years for for some movies that you watch, you know? I must have been, like, desperate and lonely or something. Like, I don't know. I might have been, like, brainwashed to believe that I had to be married by the time I'm 30. Oops! I'm 33! Fuck me. You old hag. I'm dried up. My mm-hmm. eggs are gone. Like, oh, those movies are awful. Those movies are awful. There's nothing funny or like, clever about that. <laughs> women act like this. Oh, you know, women are just crazy. 
Women don't do anything that are outside the normal. We need, we need, uh, I, I totally agree. We need movies that are more, you know, positive about uh, women's roles in society. You know, they should be able to choose what sandwiches they make for their husbands. Exactly. And, and yeah, you know, stuff like that. It'll be w- way better. Yeah. 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 I just, like, I'm just so mad at that movie. Anyways. <laughs> I'm going to stop okay. talking about it. <laughs> it's just so bad. So bad. All right. Uh, I'll just mention one thing that I uh, watched. Um, this is on Shudder. It's a Canadian-made movie from this year. It's called See For Me. It's a update on a sort of an old premise. Uh, the, the movie, the title of the movie escapes me now, but it's basically an update on a classic movie. Uh, I think Joan Collins' movie. Uh, where she plays a blind woman trapped in her apartment and there's a killer like looking for her uh, in the apartment with her and shit. Um, Try to get in the apartment. Um, God damn it. It'll come to me after the podcast is over. I should have wrote it down, but what's the new movie called? Uh, See for me 2022. And when did the original one come out? Well, it's not a, it's not an actual remake. It, it, it just reminds me of it. Oh, okay. It kind of thing. I know what one you're talking about too. Yeah, yeah. I watched uh, it. I watched that one. Mm. Premise is interesting, so it's it uh, hush? start. No, it's not hush, but it is mm. like hush too. But uh, the movie I'm thinking about that it's like is way way older, uh, from the like seventies. So. But anyway, uh, premises we have this uh, blind girl. She was a former like Olympic skier, so she's like very. De- and she's only a, still like a teenager, so she's very determined and very driven and stuff like that. But she becomes blind either, I, I think it was through an accident or uh, just some sort of disease. And so now she's dependent on using this app on her phone that helps blind people. Like, it, like the app is called See For Me, I guess. And so either your friend can help you with, like you can have a friend who becomes your eyes and as you put your phone in front of you. Or there's like people who work for the service that can also do that uh, for you. And so she's like really bitter now because she can't follow her dreams anymore. And she's just stuck doing these jobs where she's like cat sitting, ironically enough, <laughs> as you pull your cat out of the way. Um, she's she's cat sitting for this rich woman. And uh, the job entails her staying at this rich woman's house for like the weekend or whatever while she's gone and sitting and, and, you know, taking care of the cat. And so she had, you know, had have her friend show her the layout of the house and stuff as she's walking through it with her phone and stuff. So we get that sort of set up. That's how she sort of learns the, uh, the the whole route of the house and everything and where everything is. But she's kind of a bitch. Like she's like I said, she's very uh, she's very bitter about things. And so she kind of pisses off her uh, friend that was on the other end of the line. So he's like, you know what? Fuck you. And you have a, have a good weekend or whatever the fuck. And so she can't like call this person to, uh, to get the, get their help anymore. So she's sort of stuck in the house. And while she's asleep in the house, three men uh, break into the house uh, to steal something and they don't know that she's there. And so she has to now literally and figuratively, you know, is basically in the dark with this app. And she has to get the help from a stranger on the help desk kind of uh into things to be her eyes and so it's it's a neat little thriller where she has to trust this this total stranger to be her eyes to help either escape these guys or fight back in the house and it i found it worked really really well it had some pretty good performances 
and it had some neat twists as well. I can't see that. It went, wait until dark. There, I knew it. Or okay, right. I was right. Okay. Yeah. So it's Yeah. So it, it, it reminded me a lot of Wait Until Dark from 67. Thank you. And it's a good sort of update on that kind of idea. And also comparing it to Hush, also perfectly apt. Although this is, you know, this isn't a uh, slasher film version of that. This is, you know. And this one's the girl's deaf, not blind. Yeah. And. And uh, so this is like, this is just more of this is more home invasion than than home invasion slash slasher film, which is what Hush ends up being. But um, really, really good, worth checking out. Uh, obviously, low budget pr- budget production, but looks really, really fucking good too. And um, Canadian made, so yay! Well, that's cool. Uh, good movie from Canada. Very cool. Mm. I'll have to check it out. Yeah, like I said, on Shutter right now, uh, worth checking out. Um, okay, we're going to take a break and we're going to come back and we're going to talk about Hairspray from 1988. And I don't know about you, Lady Lee, but I think you look like a hair hopper to me, you ungodly warlock. Uh, there's this show called Movie Melt, and you probably know about it. Uh, and it's once every two... I have no idea how often this is uploaded. <laughs> and it's a show where a bunch of compañeros get together and we play some fun games, trivia mainly. Uh, we talk about new releases. Uh, we have some fun games where we try and guess the title of a movie based on stuff that really probably religious people write on IMDb. <laughs> yeah, it takes about 20 hours to record. There's always a failure midway through. Uh, and then the highlight of the week of the, of the show is um, reviewing a movie. Usually it's kind of a interesting, lesser known cult type movie and it's uh, quite enjoyable. It sounds good in theory, yes. <laughs> I might have a listen one day. Wow. Wow. You ungodly warlock. Mama didn't lie. She didn't lie. Mama didn't lie. She didn't lie. Here comes that boy at the screens. Making eyes at me again. Do they all think that I'm a Do you think I will be caught by the wink of an eye? 
What is your cat doing? That's so interesting. Oh, I got the laser pointer. <laughs> oh, okay. You're fucking with her. All right. I see. Yeah. Um, by the way, you have no hair. I know. Yeah. When you said we were talking about, but sorry, the thing was like, I don't know about you, Lee. You talked about hair fluffing. Well, you're not doing it because you don't have hair. You look like a hair hopper to me. Oh, hair hopper. I made no statement about my own hair or lack thereof. (laughs) Well, you don't look like a hair hopper. Listen to the sound clip again. You look like a hair hopper to me. You. Not me. You. (laughs) It could be you. You're, so, you're silly. Absolutely silly. <laughs> All right. We're going to talk about Hairspray 1988. And we do have a trailer. So we're going to play that now. It's Madison time. Hit it. Baltimore, 1962. You're looking good. A bit the heyday of hairdos and hair We shall well, overcome someday. Not with that hair, you won't. Heartthrobs and hefty girls. Mama, welcome to the 60s. Hot dates and hip talkers. No matter what you've heard, we are going to teach the white children how to do the bird. Black Black and hair I can't see through her hair. And one magic potion that holds it all together. They told me it's special. I just cut my hair. The tides, they're changing. Something's blowing in the wind. Let's get naked and smoke. Are you now, or have you ever, got steady? You got something against Connie Francis? White trash, plain and simple. But you might die because we can run. Oh, mother, you're still 50. Starring Sonny Bono, Ruth Brown, Devon, Michael St. Gerard, Debbie Harry, Ricky Lake, Jerry Stiller, and Sean Thompson. The new comedy from John Waters. It's way beyond Greece. Hairspray. <laughs> I didn't realize that. I didn't even think of that till now. What? It's totally making fun of Greece. Yeah, it does. Yeah. Why did I not just? How did I just realize this? <laughs> well, I mean, it's a first time watch for you, is it not? So you know. it is a first time watch, but still, like, uh, anyways. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so hairspray '88, written directed by John Waters, and this is the first film he's he had done in about seven years or so. His last film before this was Polyester from uh, 1981, I believe. And this is an interesting one, This is because this is a big kind of like change in the stuff he would mm-hmm. end up doing going forward. Polyester was much more like female trouble and, and stuff like that that we've watched, you know. So here he's, he's definitely doing something a little bit different. It stars Sonny Bono uh, as Franklin Von Tussle. And of course, I think everyone knows 
who Sonny Bono is, even if the, all they know about him now is how he died. Actor and composer. Of course, he was known uh, for the Sonny and Cher show and was married to Cher from uh, 1964 to 1975. He later moved out of uh, acting and uh, in music and became uh, mayor of Palm Springs and was eventually elected to the U.S. House of Representatives as a congressman for California. His skiing accident in 1998 is what killed him. Hit a tree going Jesus downhill. Christ. Yeah. We go on here. Uh, Ruth Brown as Motormouth uh, Maybell, and uh, she's an American singer-songwriter and actress. And in her heyday, she was known as Miss R- Miss Rhythm, uh, the queen of R&B and the queen mother of the blues. Uh, she had a series of hits uh, throughout the 50s and early 60s before stepping down to raise a family. And then she later came back to continue her singing career and act. Of course, we have Divine, who we've also already covered in other films, in a Turnblad here, and also the uh, dual role uh, as Arvin Hodgepile. As it's so weird big... seeing him as a man. Yeah, like, I know right. you saw him as like a creepy old man in like um, Female Troubles, where he like mm-hmm. rapes himself. Yeah, <laughs> but uh, that one you will just kind of see him very quickly. This one you actually see him like acting. Mm-hmm. Uh, we got Deborah Harry as a Velma Von Tussle. And of course, she is the singer, songwriter, actor, and founding member of Blondie uh, in 1974. And she's had herself a nice little acting career as well, popping up here and there and things. Uh, probably most notable is Videodrome from 1983. And uh, she did the vocals to some of the musical bits in the Canadian-made uh, animated film Rock and Rule, which is uh, one I love quite a bit. And she was also in Tales from the Dark Side, the movie from 1990. Uh, stuff I remember her from. Uh, then we have Ricky Lake as Tracy Turnblad. And interesting, we're doing another uh, talk show related thing here in this episode from uh, Ringmaster. So she was in, this was sort of her first uh, big role. Uh, she went on to be in uh, ABC's uh, China Beach. And of course, she had her successful Ricky Lake talk show. And then there was a revised version called the Ricky Lake show that only lasted like a year. She's also worked with uh, John Waters and stuff like Crybaby, Serial Mom, uh, Cecil B. Demented. And she even has like a role in the it's not a remake. It's more an ad- adaptation of the musical version of Hairspray. But uh, the t- 2007 Hairspray anyway, the one of John Travolta in it, taking over the role for Divine. Um, yeah, it's it's not Ugh. good. <laughs> Ugh. Then we have Jerry Stiller is uh, Wilbur Turnblad, uh, of course, Ben Stiller's dad. Uh, most people know him from Seinfeld, um, and he was also in the taking of Pelham One Two Three, which is a pretty great film. Uh, we have Vitamin C as Amber Von Tussle. I know her from Dracula Two Thousand. That was ah. the first first thing first thing I ever saw her in. I had no idea who the hell she was and whether that she existed before Dracula Two Thousand. But apparently, American pop singer. Songwriter, record producer, dancer, and actress. Uh, we got Michael St. Gerard as Link Larkin. Leslie Ann Powers as Penny Pinkleton. Clayton Prince as Seaweed. Mink Stoll here, uh, one, of the, one of the regulars as uh, Tammy. Uh, Sean Thompson as Corny Collins. And then we have a couple uh, cameo guest stars here. Rick Ocasek as the Beatnik Cat. 
And uh, this was an actor and composer who is best known as the lead vocalist and rhythm guitarist for the 70s and 80s synth pop band, The Cars. And then we have Pia Sidora as Beatnik Chick. Uh, she's an actor and singer. Most n- notoriously, she was married to uh, a rich uh, Israeli <laughs> named named <laughs> Mishulam uh, Rickless, who was about 30 years her senior uh, when they married in 1977. She was like 23 and he was 50-something at that point. She became the first thespian to win back-to-back Razzie Awards when she was named Worst Actress in 1982 for Butterfly and Worst Actress of 1983 for The Lonely Lady. she But also, weird, weirdly enough, she won the 1982 Golden Globe for New Star of the Year Female, despite having made her film acting debut 17 years earlier. Uh, is there some rumors? There's some rumors that her husband basically bought her the award. Uh, and then... So the Hollywood Foreign Foreign Press Association retired the category in 1983. So that wouldn't try to take the the stain off that, I guess. Yeah. Pia Zadora's had an interesting uh, career. She's, she's been in some stuff that people have seen. Uh, Probably the most notable thing outside of uh, butterfly is uh, she had that part in naked gun 33 and a third where she's, uh, she's on the stage singing and Leslie Nielsen's like sort of bumbling around the stage and keeps like knocking her down and hitting her and shit like that. I don't remember that. Yeah. Uh, and then of course we have uh, John Waters uh, in a brief role here, just as the uh, Dr. Fredrickson. And he's just this kooky uh, psychologist or psychiatrist or something with, weird instruments like a shock stick and a hypno wheel and the The hypno wheel is so funny (laughs) (laughs) that was weird too seeing john waters act like just seeing him like as much as he did he's shocking uh, poor penny there do you want to hang out with a negro boy (laughs) he's funny he's funny to watch he is um so we have a synopsis here. Pleasantly plump teenager Tracy Turnblad uh, achieves her dream of becoming a regular on the Corny Collins dance show. Now a teen hero, she starts using her fame to speak out for the causes she believes in. Most of all, integration. In doing so, she earns the wrath of the show's former star, Amber Von Tussle, as well as Amber's manipulative pro-segregation parents. The rivalry comes to a head as Amber and Tracy vie for the title of Miss Auto Show 1963. Uh, That's from Jean-Marc Rocher on IMDb. And yeah, uh, we'll just jump into it. Um, So this, as we said, this is the first time watched for you. Uh, What are your sort of general thoughts on this one, Lee? Okay, so I watched uh, The Other Hairspray, the remake. Mm -hmm. And I watched it when I was younger, and I think I just kind of liked it for the music. Mm -hmm. That's it, but... Uh, I remember watching when John Travolta was playing um, Edna. Yeah. Now that I watched the original, I see why it flopped so hard. Like I can see it just had this genuineness about it where again, it's this low budget movie that takes a group of actors that kind of bond together. Like they, a lot of those actors are in the same movies. Like they all work together. Mm -hmm. At least those ones that didn't die, unfortunately. Yeah. <laughs> like, that was a weird thing, too, watching a John Waters movie that wasn't, like, totally fucking disgusting. Like... <laughs> yeah, this is his... This is the, uh... <laughs> that was, <laughs> like, this is, like, a, a, a decently 
I would say teen friendly more so than family friendly. Like it's easier. it's family friendly in a way where if you didn't know, you wouldn't know. You you wouldn't necessarily pick it up because the movie is kind of big and distracting in a way that uh, you there's might a lot of makeout be. scenes though. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean there's Something. a little there's a little feeling up here and there, but you know. <laughs> but um, but the, yeah, this is his first PG. First and only PG film, actually. Mellow fucking movie compared mm-hmm. to all the other ones. It uh, it threw me off. It threw me off for sure, just because all the other ones that we've seen have been so over the top that I was expecting mm-hmm. more, like especially from Divine. But you could kind of tell Divine wasn't as big as normal. And because we know she died a year later. Yeah, mm-hmm. she died that year. Sorry, she died that year when it came out. Yeah. So filming was probably earlier, but she died like not too long after. So you could kind of see Divine's health. Like you could kind of see it. There wasn't that like brilliant set she normally has, that like insane big attitude that she has. It was there. It just wasn't as obvious. It wasn't as big. Yeah. Divine died age 42. And you look at them and Divine looks rough. Late 50s. Like rough. Rough. And, yeah. And like you could tell because uh, she died because of like. Um, her weight, her weight was a big issue, mm-hmm. and you could tell she put on a lot of pounds too, compared to like the other movies that you watch. Oh, she's yeah. a big girl, but that was like big, like that was a drastic difference compared. It was kind of sad to see because, like, when you know the story and when you know the fact that this is one of her last movies, it was uh, it was a little sad. I did yeah. like her though. I did think she did. I did think she was great. It's an excellent performance. I love her as like the trashy mother. Like, uh, it's so well, good. I'm I mean, gonna go do some ironing. It's 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 a very uh, it's a very different performance from what we're used to seeing mm-hmm. from Divine because here Divine's playing an incredibly supportive, strong, loving mother who wants nothing but the best for their, for their kid and doesn't tolerate bullshit and, you know, would fight to the end for their kid and stuff. So it's like a total 180 from the sort of outrageous, unbalanced, dangerous kind of characters that divine usually played, which is awesome to see. Yeah. Cause I know that divine was trying to find some acting gigs as a male like out of drag mm-hmm. like to be taken a little bit more seriously and unfortunately uh, yes yeah. he died like before he could really kind of stretch his legs in that sense mm-hmm. like in that yeah. direction so it would have been really interesting to see him out of drag like it would have been very interesting just to see a play like him himself not as divine because she's fabulous. Mm-hmm. Well, we're, we're we're briefly going to get a little bit of that next uh, episode when we when we talk about uh, Divine's last movie, unfortunately. But yeah, yeah. But yeah, uh, great movie. Um, I can, like I said, I can see why the other one flopped. Uh, they tried too hard to make a feel good movie, like especially a John Waters where he could just went completely different direction than he normally does, mm-hmm. and the the new one tried to captivate that same essence. Which is impossible because it was a very genuine movie. There was nothing about it that, like, they don't do it to be famous. None of those movies are to be famous. They do it because they can. They like mm-hmm. it. They like to do this fucked up shit. They like to do all this stuff. And with, and fucking, okay, this is what really pisses me off. There are so many fucking drag queens out there, like, so many drag queens mm-hmm. that 
can perform and you want that over-the-top ridiculousness from a drag queen because that's what Divine was. And you pick John Travolta and everyone's like, well, you know, it was a man. I'm like, it was a drag queen. It wasn't a fucking man. It was a drag queen. It's someone who dedicated their life to their female persona, not some guy who just puts on a fucking outfit and is like, oh, look, I'm like Divine. No, no, no. (laughs) No, 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 no. Like there was a, you could tell, you could tell he's like, he's playing a woman. And Travolta looks horrific in that he film, looks stupid, too. But yeah. he's playing a woman. He doesn't have a character. He's playing a woman. That's it. Divine is divine. Yeah. Like, when she's playing the mother, that's divine playing the mother. Like, yep. there's still that personality. You expect that, like, drag queen aspect of it. And all I saw was a fucking man in, in women's outfit. Like, that was not drag. That was just some asshole trying to, like, take someone else's thunder. Mm-hmm. Which I'm really surprised about, too, that he did that, because, like, the whole Scientology thing. Yeah, I mean, probably, there was probably a good paycheck behind it. That was probably it. And But he wanted to do it. I mean, he says that. Yeah, he, he wanted to do it because he said it was a, a female, or sorry, male, who played Edna. So yeah. he was, like, pushing for it because he was like, yeah, you gotta keep it like that. You gotta keep it like that. So... Uh, I kind of question anything that comes out of John Travolta's mouth. I, I honestly believe that he would be more likely to want to do it only because this, like the whole dressing up as a female and the whole uh, movie itself, I find it very like anti-Scientology. Mm. That's the only reason. Like I just, ugh, I don't even like him. He's a piece of shit. Yeah. <laughs> um, I love this. This is the second time I've seen this. So the last time I saw this was probably sometime in the early 90s on TV. And so back then, I didn't quite understand what was going on. It was just kind of a goofy movie that I saw as a kid. I didn't quite know what it was. I didn't know who the fuck John Waters was at that point, so I had no idea. Um, But here, the rewatch just fucking amazing i was just kind of smiling all the way through it it was it's so such good. a feel-good fun movie mm-hmm. like it's filled with some serious undertones too like some very uh uh political stances yeah so like it it manages to like capture not not to a perfect degree but capture like 1960s pop culture in a way and kind of heighten it uh and it's just like on the edge of some of those social changes and and so it kind of lovingly sends up the sort of pop culture kitschiness of, of things and it still kind of tackles things like you can tell that uh waters really loves this kitschy shit but he can still like fairly judge the culture it comes from in terms of like racial segregation which is the big issue in this film mm-hmm. um like he he's he's, he's tackling the sort of uh, influence of black culture as it like merged and changed stuff in white culture as far as like music and things like that goes. So he's kind of doing the same thing with this uh, that he would do. He was doing in his earlier films when it came to, you know, just using outsiders and queer people and integrating them and, and trying to, you know, show them as more accepted and more normal and so he's kind of doing the same thing here, but he's doing it in a little bit of a more cushioned way, a more like acceptable to a mainstream audience kind of way. It was also um, kind of, sorry, she's in my way. <laughs> it was also uh, replicating the 
what the buddy the buddy show the buddy dm show the buddy oh the the uh the uh collins dance show yeah it was like mimicking something that was actually like in real life at the time yeah or was in the past i can't i didn't i read really quickly on it i didn't yeah it was it was a it was a show that was put on uh it preempted like uh dick clark's american bandstand which is like the the big show that everyone kind of knows right but (laughs) it was the buddy dean show that's what that's it was. It. Yeah, yeah. And it was it was just a local Baltimore dance show and it was very popular at the time and a lot of local artists and stuff got play on it. Like one of the songs on the soundtrack, I can't think of it offhand, but it, it's the one that that white band does and the singer's got the sunglasses and stuff at the mm-hmm. end there near the end. That that's like uh, a song from a real band that got super popular around that time on that sh- on the uh, Buddy Dean show at the time. So and he used the used the music for that. Yeah, the movie manages to like it manages to prove that Waters can make something that seems mainstream on the surface, but it's still quite subversive. Like if you look past the heightened comedy, and this is very heightened. Like the comedy is as big as the fucking hair on some of these people, right? <laughs> By the end of it, you have uh, uh, a blondie there with her. They they have the time bomb hidden in her hair or whatever, and the fucking hair is like the hairpiece is huge. It's like five feet tall. <laughs> um, but but I I, th- I think the cool thing here is that like you do get some little peaks of like the old waters here and there in mm-hmm. the film. Like I I think the, the race riot scene is is, is kind of close to something you would have seen in one of his old movies. The but. Sorry, but, the orgasmic moment at the beginning with the hairspray, the one guy where he's like, oh, yeah. yeah, that oh, was yeah. that was totally John Waters. That was totally mm-hmm. like, I want you to feel like you're going to come and continuously come. And if you stop spraying your hair, you're going to stop coming. <laughs> <laughs> but but yeah, like the, on that race riot scene where everything goes fucking nuts, like that's mm-hmm. pure Waters stuff there. Yeah. But, but it works in this film because it's, They've they've built up the characters. They build everything up to that point where it's like you know things are gonna some go, somewhat go crazy. So it doesn't seem super shocking when it does. Um, yeah. Where, whereas if you know if was if this was one of his older films, it would have been the first scene would have been the race riot, and there would be like uh, blood and tits and yeah all kinds of other stuff. But it, it would basically be lobsters the same. raping women. Yeah. That too, but it would basically be kind of the same thing, right? It would, yeah, uh, it'd be something over the top fucked up, and it yeah. would be less, uh, not as good quality. <laughs> yeah, the it would, it would be was so much better than every other movie we watched from. Him. Yeah, this this looks like a production, right? Like <laughs> this looks like an actual fucking movie, yeah. <laughs> not like John Waters who just gathers people on the side of the street and be like, "Hey, guys, you're gonna be in a movie." Mm-hmm. <laughs> I loved when I saw the beginning when I saw the extras and they had the big crowd, the big crowd, and there was only like ten people. Like mm-hmm. I just loved that. It was great. It was just I don't know. It, it um I don't know if it was intentional, but it totally gave me John Waters style because like he never had big groups for anything, and it was a lot of like the same people that he just used over again. Yeah, it, like he's pretty much got like the people who worked with him before that survived in the intervening, like seven years between this film and the last film, I guess is the kind of <laughs> kind of thing that was going on. I love all the little things he puts in this, like, you know, when he is tackling the social issues, like, you know, the, the fact that the uh, dance show the only has like one night a week or whatever, where, 
blacks one are allowed in one a month. That's yeah, even worse. And yet they're always showing black artists and stuff. They're always booking black artists to play and things like that. Playing so, black music. Playing black music. Yeah. That Negro music. And I, I like the the uh, special education class at school was basically just meant that was the inter- integrated class where blacks and whites were in the same classroom. Yeah, no, that was the one where they wouldn't let blacks graduate. Or sorry, gray. Or, yeah, they wouldn't let blacks graduate. They would hold mm-hmm. them back as much as they could because yeah. they didn't bother with them. I love the the issues that it hit, but it never took it seriously. So it wasn't as if it ever took mood down from the movie because right from the beginning, it's just this. You get this like said like this this feeling of happiness, like this feeling of like you're enjoying the music, you're enjoying the dancing, you're laughing at all the hair and the hairspray. It's just this very uplifting, bright movie. Mm-hmm. And in it, there's a lot of serious undertones, like yeah. the one at the beginning with uh, Amber, whose mom is clearly like fucked in the head and mm-hmm. highly abusive. You just laugh at that scene when it does come up, but it does bring up that seriousness of like all the fucking girls that are in those pageants and beauty shows and all the stuff where if they don't succeed like their parents are gonna fucking hate them Mm -hmm. and then you see the one part with detention where the one girl gets detention and then as soon as the kid comes out and the mother's like beating the child like Mm -hmm. right there in public that's showing something too like that's actually showing abuse that happens behind closed doors or abuse that's unnecessary because even here, she's like, no, he's lying. Whether or not she's speaking the truth, I find that the abuse that was happening wasn't nearly as uh, necessary as uh, it should have been. But you see it, like the kid's scared, and they're, they're just showing it. And again, it's this lighthearted movie that just brings up, like, serious things. Well, the whole the whole racism thing in general. Like, mm-hmm. it was, the like, right at the beginning, you see it. When they're trying to get in, there's like, nope, no people of color. With the parade, or not the parade, the fa- fair. Nope, no people fun, of color. I, I really love the um, the sequence where so our two main couples are basically you know in in the black section of town. So you got <laughs> so you got them and and of course uh, the best friend parent character Penny. Her her mother is just like just this crazed uh, you know helicopter mom who uh, is is always like looking over her shoulder and doesn't want her anywhere near anything that's black culture, black people, anything like that. And she goes into the black side of town looking for her. And when she gets stuck out on the street and then she has this like horror sequence where the, the, there's this one drunk guy on the street and he comes up to her asking for like a 20, 25 cents so he can buy a, a new bottle of booze. And she, she freaks out. And uh, she's just walking down the street. Every black person freaks her out, even though they're basically just minding their own business. They're like, what the fuck is up with this fucking white lady? Like, Jesus Christ. And just the way she freaks out, it, it plays like uh, one of those old scare movies, you know, like one of those old exploitation movies that was meant to like sensationalize something like that. And then speaking of, you know, in the in the black side of town uh in and sort of going on uh the the funny stuff and then you have like a serious moment so you have that that uh, section where there's a concert playing and there's a guy walking out of the concert hall with a bottle in hand and he's singing along to the song that's being sung in the concert and he's singing like really beautiful yeah and sad and, and melancholy and he's just kind of drinking his bottle and he nods to the kids and they're outside the building making out 
and there's like a real genuine human moment there that that's like Oscar worthy kind of shit from another movie or something just stuck in there. And then of course, right afterwards, waters intentionally throws a couple jokes in there just to, you know, we're not getting too serious here. We're still going to keep it uplifting and, and, and fun, but he still makes the point, you know, he still, there's like a real connection there. Like this is the real life. This is like, this isn't the fake plastic life of all the white kids you're seeing. The uh, the advantages them. that were given to them. Yeah. That was a, a nice thing, too. They showed you the other side of town was a lot rougher looking. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't nearly as nice as like the white side of town. And that is a huge statement on its own. Like the yeah. social economic status that they're forced to be in because they can't go on to the white side. They can't make anything better. They can't do anything. And uh, I thought that that just alone I thought was really powerful. And it was very subtle. Like yeah. it was wasn't really like you didn't see it much. You saw it with the the cab ride or the drive, mm-hmm. um, but you saw it. Like you saw as they're driving through. Like they went from the town that's like all perfectly white, and then to the town that's like all people of color. They did it intentionally. Like they did it to show you how whites are fucking assholes to blacks. Yeah, <laughs> I, I think it's interesting though. Like there, there's a, there's a positive. There's a, there's an overlying like positive message to the film. Like there's there, yeah. there's this there's a sense that things are getting better and there's going to be like hope in uh, at the other end of things because so like the von Tussels they're presented as like cultural dinosaurs. Like they're making excuses for their racism yeah. and, and pushing against the sort of tidal wave of progressive ideas. A lot of other places popping up are like, they're getting rid of segre- segregation, but these two are like holdouts because they have like business interests and stuff around town. And they're like holding out and like, no, we're keeping this segregated be- for economic reasons and yada, yada, yada. And I, I, th- I thought it was interesting that, it's definitely showing that, yeah, these these are dinosaurs that are going to die away, kind of thing, and like things are getting better. And and hey, here's a movie with um, also other good things like body positivity and yeah, and John Waters just always backing the outsider and the unfairly maligned and the oppressed, and a movie that promotes being yourself no matter fucking what. This movie is a very feel good movie in in that sense where it's like, you know what? You can overcome this bullshit like this. Yeah. This stuff's evil and it's shitty, but you can actually like crush it just by being yourself and and not caring what other people think. I think that's another thing too, with the newer one, they tried so hard to make it like a, a movie with a message, a strong message against racism. While this one just had fun the whole time. Mm -hmm. So like I said, there was a lot of serious undertone under like that. You could, see that you could um, catch on to but never did it feel like that except for that one point for like that split second where the one guy's singing outside of the bar or the dance mm-hmm. that was the only real moment of sadness that we ever feel and then fucking comes divine <laughs> mm-hmm. tracy tracy <laughs> you're never gonna be famous hanging out here <laughs> <laughs> um one so there's a brief scene, like I, I said, with um, Rick Ocasek and um, Pia Zadora, and I'm just going to play a clip from it here. Like, hi, cats. Sit down. You got the fuss chasing you? No, we were... <sighs> you, you guys are real beatniks. Oh, just like New York. 
Daylights are coming and you want to go home. You two checkerboard chicks, what? You know, black and white, salt and pepper. Well, yes, I'm a checkerboard chick, I guess. I'm an integrationist. We shall overcome someday. Not with that hair, you won't. You look like a hair hopper to me. I mean, your hair is really uncool. How do you get your hair so straight and so flat? With an iron, man. I play my bongos, listen to Odetta, and then I iron my hair, dig? I think we better get going now. The coast looks clear. Let's do some reefer. We'll get high and I'll iron the chick's hair. Reefer? <gasps> Drugs? Loco weed. When I'm high, I am Odetta. Let's get naked and smoke. Cool. <laughs> I love that. Like, again, going back to little shades of, like, the old waters coming through. Like, that's totally one of the things that he would always do that he loved to do, like where it it plays like a segment, like, like a old public education film warning you on the dangers of like beatniks and drugs and stuff like that. Like that, that's basically the kind of stuff you'd see in like female trouble, right? Like female troubles. Yeah. And, and what I love about it is there's an irony here and I don't know if Sonny Bono picked up on it or not. Probably not, because he he feels like, you know, shame how he died and everything, but he feels like a kind of a lame establishment sellout kind of guy from the get-go, even though he had, like, this image of, like, a hippie guy and shit like that. Um, I just want to play a little piece of a... He was in one of these public uh, sort of service announcement films or whatever, public education films, warning on the dangers of marijuana back in the day. I should have shared this with you to watch, but I, I don't, you would have had the time tonight to watch it anyway, but where he is clearly like stoned out of his gourd and telling kids not to smoke pot. And uh, I'm just going to play a little bit of that right now. What you do with your life is up to you. If you become a pothead, you risk blowing the most important time of your life, your teenage, that unrepeatable time for you to grow up and to prepare for being an adult that can handle problems and make something meaningful out of life. Or you have the choice to have the courage to see and deal with the world for what it really is. Far, far from perfect, but for you and for me, the only one there is. While it's true that some of you will actually go to the moon and perhaps other planets, it's also true that in a few short years, this world will be your establishment and you will be the establishment. And what you do or don't do about it will be your scene. You're the generation with the brain power and the opportunity to do more for the human needs of this world than any other generation in history. Let's hope that your teenage children don't have too much criticism about what you did or didn't do because you were on top. 
Oh my god, it's hilarious. <laughs> you can tell in his voice. Uh, I don't know. So Chaz was basically this was like pre-transition, but it was basically forced mm-hmm. out of the closet as lesbian. Yeah. And I believe it was he transitioned uh, sh- or sorry, started the transition journey shortly before um, Sonny passed away. Mm-hmm. And Sonny was on his side. Like Sonny was gave him his approval and yep. uh, actually showed a lot of respect to Chaz versus shares the one who like lost her mind. Yeah. Which she's, is now she's fine. Now she's a, an advocate, but at first she wasn't. It can be, I mean, you know, it can be a hard thing to accept. Definitely. But um... yeah, I'm happy she came around. I'm happy. Cause it would have been like, she's such a gay icon that it would have mm-hmm. like, really been upsetting had she not come around. Yeah, um, yeah. I, I just, I just get it. I got so many fucking kicks out of little pieces of this movie, especially stuff like that. Where immediately, as soon as I saw that, I was like, "Oh yeah, you know what? Sonny Bono was in that fucking film." Uh, and, and for people who are interested, it's called Marijuana, nineteen sixty. Marijuana. It's a short film. Just, I, uh, oh, sorry. Go. I was just saying it's it's on YouTube everywhere, so you can find it. Um, <laughs> I think one of the funniest things in this movie was how Tracy wins the dance. So she gets to lead the girls night girls choice picks Amber's boyfriend. Mm -hmm. And then the next day he's like, we could just be friends. Right? Like (laughs) 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 they're all of a sudden in love and all they've done is dance once together. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, cute. There's definitely, there's definitely some, cute fantasy elements to this, you know, kind of thing. But it's, it was perfect, though, because, like, as soon as it said, like, this is not Grease. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, oh, my God, it's so true. It's so true. Like, yep. totally in love at the age of fucking 16. Yeah, whatever they're supposed to be. forever fucking bromance. I will, I will say, like, Sasha. good on... Sorry. Good, good on Waters, too. He, um... He cast a bunch of people that actually look like teenagers. Oh my whether, god! Whether they were or not, they they most of them do look like real teenagers. So so that works pretty well. It, it's that, uh, was, that was nice. Uh, mm-hmm. I I kind of like if you go through a lot of their um, biographies or I guess discuss no videographies. <laughs> Sorry, filmographies. Filmography. There you yeah, go. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> I don't know what's wrong with me tonight. Um, but a lot of them don't have much. Uh, after this movie, like this is kind of what they're known for. Like I know, mm-hmm. um, uh, what's her name? Uh, the Tracy's best friend. Um, oh yeah, uh, P- uh, Penny. That's uh, Les- Leslie Ann. Uh, what's her name? Uh, uh, Leslie Ann Powers. Penny. Yeah, it's Penny. Yeah, yeah. She's like that's the only thing I saw that was relative, and there was a few other things where that's the only real movie that they were ever in. Uh, mm-hmm. Okay, what I appreciate about this too, it was like so genuine. Like it literally looked like um, John Waters just like went to a like I don't know, like the mall or something, and saw these two girls and were like, "Yeah, they're perfect. Let's just take them." Like, it does it have just- that? It, it kind of well, it, it's not too far from the truth either. I mean, Rick, this is Ricky Lake's first real thing, and she just kind of like was thrown in dead auditioning for it on, on the fly, like on a whim kind of thing. And I guess that's kind of been also the tradition of like, whenever this is done, like whether it's um, the, uh, the remake in 2007 and the Broadway musical, and there's a TV 
version of this that was done as well. I guess that pretty much every time that that role they they cast a, a newcomer, it's sort of traditional, and also of course the tradition of always having a uh, a male uh, you know drag performer uh, playing playing the mother. Yeah, um, that's. I appreciate that they do that with musicals, like the musical um, mm-hmm. tour. Uh, they use actual drag queens. They don't use males that yeah. are dressed up as women. I'm not going to call them drag queens because drag queens are a whole different level. Okay. Like just, it, 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 it's not a drag queen. It's not a fucking drag queen. I'm sorry. Okay. <laughs> it wasn't a drag. John Travolta was not a drag queen ever. Yeah, well, so I just drag well, all of a sudden because you just dress as, well, I guess, technically, if you want to go like dress as girl, like style for I mean, drag. I guess, I, I guess you're going drag, but you're just kind of cosplaying as a drag queen at that point, right? I'm bitter about it. I'm bitter. <laughs> <laughs> like, I, uh, I can respect, I can appreciate male actors who take on the position of a drag queen, like the. To, to Wong Fu. Yeah, to Wong Fu. Like, they really, like, put in the effort. They they created these personas. They did it. And as much as I would have preferred to have real drag queens, it wasn't as common back then, but it was still good. It's just, yeah. uh, again, it's just seeing John Travolta. All he did was try to mimic Divine. He didn't create a character. He just tried to be her. Mm, yeah, and again, yeah. it, like, looked horrible. Um, I don't know. And I, I don't know. I'm somehow like mad because I don't know if you've seen any pictures of um, uh, the musical, but the drag queens that they have, they have like big makeup. Like it just looks like a drag queen, uh, like an well, actual drag queen. Yeah, that's, like, that's, that's how Travolta looks in that remake too, right? Like way yeah. too much makeup. And- but it's not even like good. It just looks like it's forced. Like these are actual queens who are like, they look like a version of themselves, uh, kind of using Divine as a yeah, uh, inspiration. Whereas, whereas Divine, like obviously there was, you know, makeup done, movie makeup or whatever. But Divine's just Divine. This is this is what I look like, bitches. Deal with it, kind of thing. And there, it's there's no she had massive eyebrows that were so yeah. iconic. But like, but like outside of that, there's no honestly. Like, if you compare this to how Divine looked in previous Waters films, oh, way too very. Hard. Very toned down, yeah. Yeah. So much again, like we're talking about, this is kind of a night. This is kind of like a one eighty from her pre- previous performances, kind of thing. Yeah, um, like this is what pissed me off too. Yeah, is that they did the whole fat suit thing too. That's 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 what I was thinking of. The, the it just looks wrong. Like it's yeah, it doesn't work. No, it's stupid it's stupid it's stupid <laughs> i just mad. i mean if, if they were gonna if they're gonna do that and not have uh a drag performer do it why not get like you know who would have been perfect for that honestly like someone like john goodman get oh, him I to do that that, that would i could see him having the personality like instead yeah. of trying to play divine or doing something he would have had the big personality mm-hmm. as playing a mother like just that's it, mother. Like John Good as a mother. <laughs> that situation, you would totally take it on. <gasps> yeah, uh, John Good. Oh Jesus, John I'm Good. Up names. John Good. It's, John it's Good. fine. It's fine. It's your world. Just... Jesus Christ, I give up. <laughs> I had a long day today. I'm tired. It's okay. It's cool. <laughs> um, yeah. Let's get anything else to say about this film. I, I think we both highly recommend it, right? It's yeah. Like... John Travolta is an asshole for playing, trying to play divine. Exactly. Fuck you, John Travolta, and your Scientology bullshit. 
Just yeah. fuck off. Just fuck off. Get the fuck off. Fuck out of okay, anyways. <laughs> Don't act anymore. Just stop it. I think he pretty much has anyway. Uh, so budget for this was two point seven million, and it came back uh, with box office returns of eight point three million. They had more than millions in a movie. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Every yeah. other one, I feel like it's like pocket change. <laughs> yeah. So it's. This is big time for John Waters at this point. Like this it, is... it kind of shows too, because like they had actual sets this time, mm-hmm. and they did actual hair and makeup and costumes, while the other ones were very much like looked at as if they went to a secondhand store to find what they needed. Exactly. Like yeah. this was uh, an actual like he took the time. He still kept that genuine uh, rough around the corners, like the. Mm-hmm. Well, but well, he the... finessed it, and I like that. Well, I think I think his last film, if I'm not mistaken, Polyester, was an er, early release for uh, New Line Cinema, and it was a big hit for them. So when he went around, got around to making this one, like you know, he had enough clout now where it's like we can make a big production. You know, not and honestly, this isn't a big production for 1988, but it's a professional one with the, enough mm-hmm. money to make it slick enough where it doesn't look like one of his older pictures. So. I think that's kind of what he got here and, you know, it made a nice modest profit and allowed him to sort of start his, the new phase of his career where he's making stuff that was, you know, still a John Waters film, but uh, a bit more subversive, a bit more off kilter. Like right after this, he makes cry baby with uh, Johnny Depp, which is probably one we should do. Um, and it's kind of in the same vein as this in, in some ways. So, uh, although it's it's kind of uh, doing instead of doing like the teen party dance movie, it's doing more the uh, hot rodder greaser film from the fifties and sixties kind of thing instead, which is is kind of fun. Um, um, before I forget, the one thing I do want to mention: uh, both Velma and Amber are so fucking good in this movie. Mm-hmm. I loved Amber. I thought she played the perfect fucking like high school bully bitch that you wanted to yeah. punch in the face. And I thought the mother, like Velma, yeah, oh god, Debbie. she was golden. Like I just mm-hmm. wanted her. I, I I love them. I thought they were so good as a mother daughter duo. They they bonded. They were dynamic together. They really like it was good. Like that scene at the beginning where she's like go faster, go faster. like in the dancing. Mm-hmm. She's like I'm tired. Ma. I loved it. I loved it. I thought they worked really well together. I thought. Um, I'm just glad we didn't crazy. see. I'm, I'm just glad we did see that pimple pop when she, when she went to go for it. But the like, sound effect, yeah, their sound effect was enough. I love that. They, I love that they had so many sound effects. Like when they're dancing, you know, when you're watching um, outtakes of dance movies and you'll hear the people stalking because they're supposed to be dancing. Mm-hmm. You can actually hear this in the movie. I thought it was like this mm-hmm. cheesy like add-in that I thought was so cute. <laughs> it was yep. good. It's good stuff. It's good. Uh, you can find this on Blu-ray. Uh, it's also on iTunes, Google Play, Microsoft Store, Amazon Prime, Vudu, Movies Anywhere. And there's multiple DVD editions as well. So there's no shortage of places to, to get this. Go watch um, it. Yeah, go watch it. Definitely. Uh, as we said, it's John Waters' first and only PG-rated film. Uh, he wrote the screenplay under the title of White Lipstick and loosely based it on real events. So as we said, like the uh, Corny Collins show is based on the real life Buddy Dean show. And uh, so that was kind of the big inspiration for this. Uh, uh, Waters himself growing up in the 50s and kind of seeing this stuff on TV in Baltimore uh, as he was growing up. Yeah. Um, apparently Ricky Lake, uh, who is, you know, 
very publicly had like, you know, weight issues and stuff and struggles over the years, uh, began rapidly losing weight due to the, inten- to the uh, uh, intense dance lessons she had to take for the film. So she uh, reportedly had to eat like crazy in, in order to stay plump for the film. Oh, no. You can kind of tell, too, like if you look at her at her physique, like, yeah, she's big, but very athletic at the same time and like got more of a like a rounded like voluptuous dancer's body by the by the time they're filming here as opposed to oh no she's just like some fucking fat pig kind of thing right like it's well it's even, very- even that one scene where they're at the the dance this is before she ends up on the show uh that scene alone is insanely long mm-hmm. so the amount of takes that they did for the angles and the dancing and the whole time I love to see that that scene went on forever but I love seeing her smile like she just had the goofiest smile like she was having so much fun but the fact that she did that and the whole time she's smiling and, and it doesn't look like I know it's movie magic too like a little bit but sometimes you could tell when there's like a little bit of especially this, these kinds of movies you mm-hmm. can tell when there's kind of like discomfort or like they can't do it her dance moves are on point and she's high energy the whole time. Oh yeah. Like there's no slowing down. No. And, like it, and the energy from her for performance is pretty central to like just how fun the movie is too. Mm-hmm. Like, and I was just, again, like I said, I was smiling all the way through this, just kind of watching this stuff. And it's like, like, fuck, look at her go. Look at her fucking go. That's fucking yeah. good stuff. Yeah. yeah. I like that. Uh, I like that. I like, I like, the fucking, oh, sorry, I'm going back in it. But I like that they had the whole uh, clothing shop that was dedicated to curvy, curvy women. Oh, yeah. yeah. Like, You're beautiful. Eat. <laughs> Don't lose weight. Eat. The, Eat that eclair. It defines like, and, and what are you going to pay my daughter? One free outfit, outfit every month. month. <laughs> and then, then she tries to get a little something for herself as, as well. Well, she'll have to work an extra day free for that. Deal. <laughs> It's so funny. <laughs> Stupid. So, it's funny. so funny. Um, the role for Edna Turnblad was originally written for famed transgender Christine Jorgensen. However, when the role of Tracy had to be rewritten, John Waters also rewrote the role of Edna in order to keep his friend and muse Divine in the production. Uh, and of course, this mm-hmm. is Divine's last film with John Waters. During a road trip to promote the film following its release, John Waters and Divine were making the circuit. Two weeks into the trip, Divine collapsed and died. Um, Waters was devastated and later made the comment, after you've worked hard all your life and finally succeeded, I think you deserve more than two weeks to enjoy it. Which that's is so sad. Yeah, that's pretty sad. Ugh. But um, yeah, you can't deny like how just good Divine was and the classic performances. So like for you yeah. trailblazer, like she mm-hmm. just because there was no way um the like alternative of drag and uh, film would have been where it is now had it not been for her like you would have had just your standard beauty queens like she was very much like the trendsetter for uh, pushing for different things and pushing for the comedy queens and pushing for the big queens and mm-hmm. pushing for all that because even when you watch queens from back in the day it was very much just uh, like beauty pageant type style like it was just the idea of uh, men dressed as women competing at a drag show that was very strict rules, which when you think about it, um, this is what I think divine is really the, the setter for uh, just 
when you're in drag, it's taking a persona of yourself, like your inner self and bringing it out. Mm -hmm. And it's taking this art form and making something entirely fucking cool out of it. So it's not just looking pretty. It's not just wearing fancy outfits. Like it's, it's very much um, an opening yourself up to just kind of being free and allowing yourself to, to truly live and truly be who you want to be. Yeah. And feel fucking gorgeous while you're at it. Divine's a rough looking queen. This is pre the days of fucking waist inchers and all that sort of shit. Like mm-hmm. she compared to all the queens now, like she's a rough looking queen. But everybody's so fucking gravitated toward her. Still today. Still with the critiques that we have with drag and everything. Divine is still this like fucking person that so many people like love and adore. So Yeah. Yeah. As I'm wearing my quality for all shirt just saw that yeah yeah <laughs> so as we said the broadway adapted musical of hairspray uh ran from 2002 to 2009 then of course there was the 2007 adaptation of the musical so the 2007 film is a musical it's not a remake of this film necessarily unless you want to count it that way but it's really more than that adaptation of the musical um had a $75 million budget and earned over $200 million worldwide, which sounds like a success, but not necessarily a big success, as you would expect uh, from those numbers. Because whenever you see like a, a budget that's announced by a film, generally you double that for um, advertisement and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And so like that, that takes a massive chunk of that $200 million worldwide uh, profit. I'm bitter about it. Mm. They were just trying to take something that was like fucking awesome and like claim to fame to it. And then people are like, ooh, hairspray, divine, ooh, John Waters, I'm badass. I watched the yeah, yeah. I watched the musical. <laughs> fuck yourself. Go fuck yourself. I hope I hope at the very least John Waters got a good paycheck out of it. That's, I hope so too. that's all I care about. Uh yeah, and the twenty sixteen live television adaptation star, uh, starring Harvey Fine Firestein, uh Ariana Grande and Martin Short, uh, apparently did pretty well that, that was that was a point when they were i guess doing some live musicals on tv for for a little while but like that i can't seem to remember that was a thing on like nbc or something like that i, I can't remember what channel it was but i know it was a thing but yeah there we go that is hairspray and <laughs> um yeah uh so we're doing uh, divine's last official role really uh although Divide's only in it for like I think one scene or something like that, unfortunately. But still, it's the last one. Mm-hmm. I think this was the one. Yeah, this was the one out of drag as well. Yes. And this was kind of like the step into uh, taking Divine out and um, kind of having his male, like as actual male self, like mm-hmm. present in movies, which was so sad. <laughs> it didn't go anywhere. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but we're going to be doing that. Hopefully we'll have Gary Hill on, on that, uh, with us, uh, planning for that anyway, and we'll, we'll see what happens. Um, but until then, uh, Lady Lee, please tell people where they can find you on the interwebs. You can find me on the interwebs on Instagram at mighty tiny all-star. I post updates of whatever pictures Lee sends me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Just not the naughty ones. Um, 
and then about uh, the podcast. <laughs> yeah, about the podcast. Yeah, uh, and you know, if you go to her uh, Instagram as well, uh, generally you'll find something like this happening. Let's get naked and smoke. That happens a lot on her Instagram. That's my OnlyFans, guys. Oh yeah, that's right. Naked and smoke. Look it up. I can't get yes. naked and smoke on Instagram, so I got to get naked and smoke on OnlyFans. They keep manning her on Instagram. Yeah. yeah. Um. Yeah. But uh, until then, you can find us at tmbdos.podbean.com. All related thingies in <laughs> gizmos and whatchamacallits and thingamabobs are all there. Uh, be also. there or be square. Yeah. Just <laughs> stop being just stop being lame and and, and go there already. Um, but uh, thank you, Lady Lee. Thank you all for listening. It's much appreciated. And we will be back when we're back. Goodbye. Bye. Hey, girl. What you doing over there? Can't you see? I'm spraying my hair. Let me tell you about the latest craze. Mama's hoping that it's just a phase. But I know it's going to last forever.
listening to TMB DOS. They must be destroyed on site. For further episodes of this podcast, please go to tmbdos.podbean.com. We're also on Apple Podcasts and pretty much any podcatcher that you can find. Thank you. Drive through. Oh, 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 oh,